You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the World Cup edition of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and your host, um, not your regular host John, um, he unfortunately couldn't make it tonight. So just to confuse things, it's the other John tonight um, and hope you're not throwing stuff at your podcasts, um, download stuff tonight. Um, but I'm joined by two guests, um, Chris. Hello. Aye, sorry about the long-winded uh, introduction there. I'm a wee bit nervous about hosting, not going to lie. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, and we're also joined by Tony. Hello. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the theme is uh, the World Cup, and as per the last 20 years, um, the best a Scotland fan can do is look back on previous World Cups goodbye. <laughs> um, so how are you feeling about this one? Aye, pretty good. I was watching... Oh thing earlier on about the, the African teams, just for the, the Russia 2018, and one of the things he mentioned in that was how Morocco haven't been in the World Cup for 20 years, so I thought, oh yeah, Morocco's last game was when they gubbed us, <laughs> so uh, that, that cheered me up a bit this evening, not, yeah. <sighs> but I'm sure we'll get on that later on. I'm the same, I, I think as, as the time has gone by, I've got more and more into it, I think as I get close and Obviously, in social media, again, more and more stuff that it strips and what have you. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think Morocco, as Chris said, is a real good shout, actually, to do well. And also Uruguay, you have a wee dark outsider. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of the teams. Yeah, we'll certainly come on to um, who our favourites are to win the World Cup later on. Um, and it's funny that you guys mentioned Morocco, which brings us on to the the first subject um, of tonight is looking back at France 98 because Sunday, um, the 10th of June this year, was the 20th anniversary of when Scotland played Brazil in the opening game of France 98. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember a World Cup build-up like it um, in my mm. lifetime simply because um, it was the biggest game, well, I can think of that Scotland have, have played in. Yeah, it was an absolutely glorious summer, that, because it, it coincided with so many things that were great, because Celtic won the league for the first time in 10 years, so we'd, uh, we'd stopped at 10, that was a, a great start to that summer. It actually was the summer that I finished school before going to university, so I was in a nice little gap of absolutely nothing for about three months, um, so I was I, I remember spending that morning before the game, uh, trying to find the, the, somewhere I could buy the new Scotland top. Uh, I, I, I don't know why, but I seem to be a sucker for one of these tops with a button, and that was like a, it was like a wee sort of whip and a button on that top. So I spent the morning looking for it, so I was I was ready for the the big opening day because let's face it, the the biggest show on earth was uh, opening the, the the World Cup, and it was Scotland's honour to do that against the the reigning world champions Brazil. Yeah, I mean, my yeah, I, I remember, sorry, you go to, sorry. No, you go first. No, no, 
I was gonna say I I've got the same memory. I, I remember it wasn't a particular nice day, if I remember ourselves right. Because I remember we went to me and my friends went to Paisley Town Centre. We went to a pub um, to watch the game, and I remember it was absolutely lashing the town at one point um, to get in there. Um, and just everywhere you went, every pub had it on. Um, Paisley was bouncing; it was really busy. People with Scotland strips, uh, salt tires, kilts, everything. And it was, it was uh, yeah, it was a great, great day. Yeah, I mean, I remember when even the draw was made. Um, I was watching that, and then it became apparent that Scotland were going to play in the opening game against Brazil. And I just remember everyone starting to get excited at that point. And for my Christmas that year, um, we got VHS tapes, and I got I made sure that one of them was um, listed on the label Brazil versus Scotland World Cup opening game to the June to 1998, and I kept it for six months, and then made sure I recorded it when it came on. Um, for keepsake, but I don't know where the tape is these days. Because <laughs> yes, I don't know, I never, th- I never threw it out. Um, but it's probably hiding in my mum's loft somewhere. Um, so, but yeah, the build-up was just incredible. There was just loads of the, the um, you know, the preview programs. I think both because both STV and BBC got to show the game. It was supposed yeah. to. It was only BBC down south, but they gave um, STV special rights to to show up here as well. But I think most people just watch the BBC, let's be honest. Yeah, but it's, it's on both channels, I tend to favour the BBC. Just, I don't mm. know why, it's just because they don't get adverts. I think <laughs> that's, that's the main reason. Um, but yeah, I remember the the, the players um, were out, you know, being excited when the players came out, but they had to stand for pure ages because they were doing all their speeches at that point after the open ceremony. I was reading something about it. They, they, they had to do the warm up inside as well, and that was a bit oh. uh, frustrating, just because of the, the opening ceremony aspect of it. But uh, they were standing for ages. I forgot about that. Wonder if I had anything to do with slow start as well. Well, Craig, ironically, I was at um, a, a, an event on Saturday night. You've all, uh, sorry, Sunday night. Um, you probably saw some of the pictures on my, my Twitter. Um, because uh-huh. they had Ladder Union, it was called, at the Hilton. Um, and Craig Brown talked about that. Um, the fact they had to warm up inside because of the opening ceremony. Um, uh-huh. And that that was a factor why they started to slow. But it was a, a really sloppy goal to lose, that one. Um, I think it yeah, was three minutes, wasn't it? It was in the first three minutes or something. Uh-huh. I remember they scored. Uh, yeah, it was like the weirdest guy in the park as well. Well, the weirdest yeah, guy, the guy yeah, in the result yeah. top in the park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a, just a terrible goal to lose. Of all, of all the ways to lose a goal to Brazil, a bloody set piece. A header. A header. <laughs> that was the one thing we were always strong. The yeah. one thing at the time we were really strong at was um, defence, because we had Hendry Calderwood, if memory serves right, um, playing then. Um, and we were solid, because we played like in a three at the back. Um, but, yeah, it was just a sloppy goal we lost, early doors. Yeah, uh, it was yeah the back three. They'd only conceded three goals in qualifying. Uh, two of them to Sweden, and the other one was a, a disputed penalty at Belarus. Um, it, but other than that, they were really rock solid um, throughout that campaign. And it wasn't to be fair, it wasn't any of the three. It was Markin Sampaio. Um, I think it was Craig Burley um, with that one, and it sneaked in near post. It was just a terrible start. And then for a good bit of that first half, you wondered. Um, how many are they going to get? Because um, Colin Henry nearly scored an on goal. Roberto Callas had a shot saved. Ronaldo skinned Henry and had the, his effort saved. And you just wondered 
what's going to happen. Yeah, it took us a long time to get into that half, but eventually we did, and uh, I mean, we earned our way back into the game. I always think we fell, especially in the first 10 15 minutes of the trap, that the hype Brazil were put under at that time. I think if you remember back then, Brazil were like going to be this next superstar team, you know, they were like yeah. the, the best thing out there, and I think sometimes. I've seen it in documentaries with Brazilian players saying they were good individually, but team-wise they weren't great. And I think for the first 15, 20 minutes we were just starstruck, if I'm being honest, by them. Yeah, that's probably a fair comment. Um, just going back to the superstar thing, um, they had the big advert of the summer, the Nike advert at Rio de Janeiro Airport, um, with Ronaldo hitting the barrier as the post at the end. It was really clever done. And then Scotland thought, let's try and copy it for the don't come home too soon video at Presswick oh, Airport oh, yeah. oh, and it was um, it was cringeworthy um, the, and oh, but you have scored I and a 10 year old fan <laughs> um, but yeah the, pe- the penalty um, let's be honest was never a penalty in a million years you think I thought it was soft I, I think it was a penalty but I think it was soft I've, I've never said it was wasn't it a penalty but, uh, I think we all took it. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> um, but John Collins was obviously the calmest man in in the stadium at that point. Every other Scottish fan was probably crapping themselves because uh, what happened with Alistair two years <laughs> earlier. Let's be honest. But um, but yeah, stuck it, it took a beautiful. while to take it as well. This is what I remember. It just it seemed to take forever from actually between the penalty being awarded and him taking the penalty. But I stuck it away. So it was a good penalty. Yeah, you're right, because I, I remember that as well. It took a while for the penalty. It was as if they were like, we'll wait for like the, the cameras to come back. As if somebody went for an advert. Do you know that way when they start the game and you're kind of waiting around for a while? That's what it felt like at the time. It certainly was an age, um, probably from our point of view, because it was our penalty. Um, but, I mean, what a moment that was. I mean, um, it's just a shame that we didn't go in to get some from the game because that would have been even more iconic than it. As and it is an iconic moment, but um, you know, we're unfortunately, there is an iconic moment in this game, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a truly Scottish iconic moment, yeah, yeah. We lost it in typical Scottish fashion, um, with hard yeah. luck, um, but there's not much you could maybe do. I mean, they it was a great pass by Dunga to Cafu, um, the only argument you could maybe say is Gordon Jury didn't track him enough, um, but. Late makes a good save, and Boyce is trying to cover, and it's just rebounded off him. Um, yeah, but Boyce tracking back, he has mm. to. Even I mean, Boyd has to do something because I think it was Ronaldo actually who was right behind him. Yeah. If if, if Boyd hadn't made any contact at all, I think Ronaldo's got a tap on. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was. It's just it's so unfortunate that this, this game is remembered for him and his own goal, and I'm sure he still gets plenty of jibes about it to this day. And um, Given he was the, the, the captain of Celtic that uh, lifted the, the league trophy just a month before, it was a, a bit of a come down for him. Plus as well, it's him right in the chest. There's yeah. nothing he can really do. It's not like if he's, if he's got it in his knee, he can maybe like hit it up, or if he's got it in his foot, he can turn out, hit it to the side, or the head, head up. It's him bang right in the chest, and there's, there's nowhere else that that ball's going to go. No. Or go straight in the back of the net. Yeah, so it was just one of these things, and it just trickled past Hendry, who wasn't able to react into him as well. But 
So we were beaten, um, but not disgraced. Um, unfortunately, the game later on in Morocco and Norway ended 2-2. Um, so the next game we're up against Norway and Bordeaux. Um, and first half, it was just all one-way traffic. Um, but we couldn't score. And that Craig Brown later on um, admitted that that was a game that he should have had Alan McCoy in. But of course, he made that um, call not to bring McCoy to the World Cup, even though he'd been good goal-scoring for the that season. Hmm? Yeah, Craig Brown had a very odd relationship with Alan McCoy because it was just as bad at Euro 96 as well because he left Alan McCoy on the bench for two games and then he played him in the... Uh, he started him in Switzerland and obviously he got the only goal that day. Um, but yeah, then he left him out of the squad entirely. And it's, I mean, I know Rangers were coming off a, a trophy this season and McCoy was still one of the best strikers we had. Um, but he, he should have been there. He should have been there ahead of Scott Booth. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was Scott Booth? Was he somewhere like Breda or somewhere like that? He, 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 was, he was actually at Dortmund, but they, lent, um, they sent him on loan to Utrecht. Um, I, oh, think I, he was, I think he was doing okay, but he didn't merit a place in the squad over Alan McCoy's for me. and I'm an Aberdeen fan, so I've got to um, be honest and say that. Um, and then a minute in the second half, dreadful start, losing the goal to Havard Floor, um, Christian Daly ball watching. And then yep. Brown made the change... Um, that a lot of people will certainly thought he should have done at the start of the campaign was um, he took off Darren Jackson who he preferred in the midfield role um, put on McNamara at right wing back and moved Burley who had a fantastic season with Celtic scoring goals from midfield into that yep. his natural position and within two minutes he did it um, lovely lob over um, goalkeeper after a great ball for David Weir the last goal got on the score that I made our championship yeah I know Depressing that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel after the, the end of that game? Um, the, the first half we should have scored before that. It was the blow to get the lose the goal so early in the second half and then to pull it back. I still felt we should have beat Norway that day. Um but the fact because Norway had drawn two games and they still had to play Brazil, I felt reasonably confident that we would be able to go on and beat Morocco and Brazil would do their bit against Norway. Um, but obviously none of that turned out the way we thought it was going to turn out. Yeah, um, I, I, I fell into the Scottish trap. So if you remember rightly, the Morocco-Brazil game was on after. I think it was in the nighttime game. I remember watching yeah, at home yeah. and Brazil hammered them 4-1. And I remember thinking, this Morocco are rotten. Yeah. Oh, we'll, ha- we'll hammer this mob. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be like four or five or Robbie. Yeah. No problem whatsoever. And I think I, I think a lot of people thought that, because yeah. Brazil had made them 4-1, that Morocco were just there for the taking. And yeah, then I walked the other way, sadly. Yeah, I mean, it made sense to me as well, because that, we were thinking, well, we were pretty close against Brazil and they'd been hammered and yeah. they'd drawn in Norway in the first game and we, well, we'd drawn in Norway in this game as well, but we should have beaten them. What was the feeling as well? So yeah, we all, I think we all felt that we could, we were more than capable of beating Morocco. Yeah, um, the only player, the only player they had, I remember, was um, the boy that went to Aston Villa, Hadji. Mustafa Hadji, yeah, yeah. Uh, Coventry. He was a he was a really good player, but I didn't at the time. I don't think I remember anyone else from Morocco. That I thought, oh, you you'll cause us problems or anything. I just presumed, well, this is it. This is the time I get to do it this time. Yeah, it was actually um, 3-0 incidentally um, to Brazil, but there was two, I remember they, they highlighted the goalkeeper, um, I think his name was Ben Zekri. Um, uh, he was picked out because um, he he conceded a couple of bad goals in the Norway game and didn't look much better in the game against Brazil, and 
the talk was get the ball in that box. He, he's um, he's going to have a nightmare. Um, yeah. But in turn, it was actually our goalkeeper, a reliable goalkeeper oh, that had a nightmare. Uh, um, well, first well, goal. Started badly. If you remember with Craig Burley, he dyed his hair blonde. If you remember, it's the only goal. He just oh. thought you're standing out far too much, here, mate. Yeah, and it would turn out bad for him. But you looked at it, you thought, oh, that's too much. That, that was a thing in the 98 World Cup though I mean because Burley obviously did it after he scored his goal and then was it Romania the entire team did yeah. it yeah. after they made the second round and that, well, that was something else I was watching earlier um, what, the, look, it was like the punditry side of things Alan McCoy should done it yeah. as well <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah it was a really theme yeah. it's not as if it was a new thing either because Gaza had done it a few years previous so I mean like, I think we're getting past the, the blonde thing I always remember Jimmy Hill in the Romania game and he was trying to convince them all that such a good thing this because it gives the Romanians an advantage because you can see the blondness when they're passing the ball and I was thinking, what nonsense are you talking? You <laughs> try to convince everybody in the studio that yeah, by dying your hair blonde the whole team gives, gives this team an advantage. <laughs> So that's perfect. I mean, how did Sweden do in this World Cup again? Oh, that's right, they didn't even qualify. Famously, <laughs> famously a, a country full of blondes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, another thing I remember about Jimmy Hill in that World Cup, he appeared on uh, the McCoy's McCauley show at the Eiffel Tower before it, and yes. um, he was obviously asked about the David Neary thing, and he said, uh, in my defence, I didn't say it was a poor toe poke. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was a good answer. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's the infamous one that um, Stan Collins and Rika Johnson were it. Oh, yeah, he was, he was a guest on it, and yeah. he was there of his capacity as a boyfriend. So was Richard, uh, Richard Wilson. Yeah, th- things happened after that, and they'll let's say that uh, Rika Johnson had honours from half the top army. Yeah. <laughs> I think she went out drinking them afterwards. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, Ewan McGregor was on that show as well, and he was absolutely blotto um, on that. He, he could barely sing a, um, a sentence together. <laughs> um, probably the best of what was a, a poor show, to be honest. It wasn't great, McCoy Macaulay, but that's just personal opinion. Yeah, I, I briefly remember, remember that. I, I remember I used to watch it, but I, nothing really stands out, if I'm being honest. I don't, it's one of the programmes I think you watched, because it was like Scottish football and Scottish comedy. Aye. Well, that was it. Yeah, yeah. The World Cup one was the one that stood out the most. Um, unfortunately, yeah. um, we're talking about Craig Burley. He at two 0 down, um, and gets himself red cards. Definite red card. That second goal. Come back to that. I mean, the mistake by Leighton that killed it. Because even at one 0 you thought we still got a chance to get a quick goal and it'll turn things our way. But that second goal, yeah. it, it, certainly in the house I was watching that, everyone just had a collective had um, head and hands. At that point, it was just awful. You knew at that point it was over. Yeah, I, I mean, I sat and watched this game with a few of my mates. Um, it's, it might be the only time I've ever watched a Scotland game with my mates. <laughs> um, and it was always when I was like, oh, we could do this at the next World Cup. And it's been 20 years and we started just to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I think it's different mates I've got these days. But <laughs> I, 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 the, the, the abiding memory I have in that Morocco game was turning to my mate, and he, I have never seen anybody so depressed after a football match in my life. <laughs> he, was, he was literally lying there with his head in his girlfriend's lap, just almost in tears. Just could not be <laughs> consoled. I always felt sorry for Leighton because um, 
every tournament there was always this as a later a goal going to be the goalkeeper for, for this tournament. And in Euro ninety six, namely says right, Leighton had played all the qualifiers and then could drop for Gorham yeah. for the tournament. And then there was the same kind of thing before the World Cup. There was a clamour again for Gorham to be the number one. And Leighton got his chance and then to remem- be remembered for that after Italia 90, what happened at the end of that. Just a shame how it's worked out because he was at that time, for me, the, the better of the two goalkeepers by a mile. But it was a, it was a silly thing. I, I still to this day don't know what he tried to do, whether he, he's been too far out and he's tried to push it over the bar and he's tried to push it up so he can run back to catch it. It's just a bizarre thing he done. It was. Um, I think he was just caught out by how quickly Hada um, took the shot and then he's tried to that, but he knows he's not got enough on it and then he's scrambling and it's um, and then he's ended up tangled in it um, as the balls hit it. It was, it was a shame for him. I mean, Andy Gorham didn't take it well um, being dropped, um, mm-hmm. being told he wasn't number one, so he walked out in Scotland for the second That's time. Right, eh? Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, yeah, I flipped a, a coin between the two of them. I mean, Andy Gorham was a, a sensational goalkeeper. He was great in Euro 96. Um, yeah. But he had he did have injury problems as well, and he didn't have the best of seasons that year with Rangers. No. Um, he made a couple of errors. There's one in particular with Bjorklund um, at Kilmarnock. So, um, but yeah, Leighton got the nod, and it was just unfortunately it ended. Um, but that was always a big debate at that time. Though it was always a goalkeeper situation about whether it be Gorham or Leighton, um, and, and it was always on it. I think as well that had it, had it not been for the fact that he was such a good goalkeeper, Gorham. I don't think he would have been brought back to the Euro 96 because he'd left the, that's when he'd left the first time when mm. Leighton had played the qualifiers. And I think most people have thought that Leighton's done the qualifiers he's going to get in to the main event and then he got dropped for that. And then when it happened again, he kind of thought, just take Leighton and make sure he's number one. Because for me, if a goalkeeper plays all the way through the qualifiers, he should be your first pick unless something drastic happened. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. But I mean, we, we were pretty spoiled when it came to uh, goalkeepers. I mean, it's not even the last time this has happened because like, when we had like of Gordon and Marshall and McGregor and stuff more recently, yeah. I mean, that we've, we always seem to have really good goalkeepers. But um, aye, I mean, through the well, as far as I can remember, most of the nineties we had the uh, Leighton and Gorham. It was a case of mm. pick one and see what one you want to go with. It was, it was, it was a, a great choice to have. Yeah. Yeah, and the ironic thing that night um, was that both sides went out because Norway did the unthinkable and beat Brazil. Yeah. So Morocco yeah. um, were the team that were the gallant losers of the of the group, rather than us. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 felt, I actually felt a little bit sorry for Morocco that night. Yeah, I yeah. did as well. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. did. Because they, 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 they gubbed us. I mean, we deserved that. They they played really well and. And we didn't, so um, I, I, they were an entertaining team, and I, 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 they were better to watch than Norway. So Norway to do that to Brazil, because they were Norway one 0 down at one point as well. They came back and won two one. Yeah. Um, so fair play to them, but yeah, I, it was a it was a bit of a bit of a disappointment for Morocco. And as I say, they haven't been at the World Cup since, so that's them um, getting back finally. It'll be interesting to see how they get on in Russia. Yeah, yeah, good luck to them. Um, just. 
uh, I forgot to mention as well, Craig, had, uh, he couldn't make it tonight, he was hoping to, um, but he sent me an email of um, his memories. So, um says for the France 98 game, he remembers rushing home from school with the promise of Coca-Cola when he got there, because his parents weren't um, big fans of fizzy juice. So, yeah, he got a, a treat when he got home that day. <laughs> um, um, what was um, your main memories of the, the rest of the World Cup that year? Well, 98, I think my favourite memory of the entire 98 World Cup is the Danish Bergkamp goal against Argentina. Mm-hmm. The 90-yard pass or whatever it was for Frank Dubois. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he just he plucks it out of the air with one foot and fires it into the net with the second one. And it's the last minute of the game, it's a winner that's just brilliant. Yeah, that, that was without doubt the goal of the tournament. For me, I think, I think that the one that I the game that always stands out to me or the moment um, is Belongsko against Paraguay um, and the, I think that was a time when I thought France could do this because up until then I don't think I'd really rated France but then when Blanc scored that goal in um, the Golden Goal I think it was back then mm-hmm. um, it was like was yeah I just you could see it all happening and, and to be fair Paraguay should have won that game and Paraguay yeah. battered France for what I remember and then they got the goal and the golden goal and yeah, it was just like a standout moment, I think. Yeah, Paraguay were quite entertaining in that World Cup because the other thing about Paraguay was their goalkeeper was the one that took the free kicks. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I nearly scored in that one. He'd scored a few for his club before, um, and in, indeed for Paraguay. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Scotty. Yeah, it would have been great to see him do it in the World Cup. Yeah. Did he not yeah. run for like presidency of Paraguay or something like that? Really? I'm sure, I'm sure he either ran or he got president of Paraguay. Um, definitely ran for it, I remember. I remember being on the telly. Um, but he definitely went to politics. <laughs> oh, dear God. The, the other thing I remember for World Cup 98 is every time the World Cup comes round, I always sit there with a pen and paper and work out who I think is going to win groups and get all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> get all the way through to the final. And 98 is the one and only time I got the semi-finals right. And I always wish I'd been able to put money on it because Croatia was one of the last four. It would have been worth a fortune. But I was still a bit too young to be betting at that time. So, <laughs> oh, That would have been um, some money if you'd, uh, if that had came in you put a bet on. Because um, nobody would have predicted Croatia at the start of the tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, Croatia, they'd always had that wee bit of promise about them. And, mm. But aye, they were, they, they were, they were the, the, the standouts of that tournament, I thought. Yeah. I think the big um, one for me was uh, watching the final and you know, Des Lynham was nearly having a heart attack at realising that Ronaldo is um, not in the starting lineup, and you think, what the hell's going on here? And then 10 minutes later, Gary, um, Gary Lineker butts in and I'd have a general interview and says, sorry David, there's the biggest wind-up that Ronaldo is playing. And it was just causing all sorts of confusion. Um, you just wonder what the hell's going on. Um, there was lo- I remember there was loads of rumours at the time saying that Nike says he's got to play, he's got to play, um, yeah. and that sort of thing. But it turned out he'd had a fit and turned up at the stadium and says he was ready to play. But it definitely affected Brazil that day, and France just absolutely battered them. Yeah, I think the, the, the unfortunate thing is that, that that whole Ronaldo thing overshadows a lot of that final because it wasn't just that Brazil weren't at their best. France were brilliant that night. Mm-hmm. The two goals for Zidane were just, I mean, they were two set pieces, but they'd got themselves in that position, and then they break up the part for the petit third goal. It's just brilliant. But they, they could have had more that night. They were just, they were deserving winners that night. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And I think that the whole Ronaldo thing takes away from it a bit. Yeah, I'd recommend you watch if you get a chance on the History Channel. I don't know if any of you have seen it. Mm. Um, well, I've had the History Channel on a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, the football on it. Um, yeah. They've got um, the Three Musketeers, and later it's about France 98. It's about Zidane, Ronaldo, and Beckham. And talk to um, Edmundo, because he was the man who was supposed to start the game. Um, in, in Ronaldo's uh, place. Yes. Uh, yeah. And basically, it was Edmundo that found him. Apparently, um, he he went to Ronaldo's room, and he was having a fit or a seizure. And at that point, then um, they got the club doctor in and everything brought him in, and they said, "There's no way he's going to play. He, he he can't play." And Edmundo was all stripped, ready. Um, and then apparently, somebody from high up the Brazilian FA came down, Gonzalo, who was the manager of Brazil at the time. Out, they had a meeting, and they came back, and apparently Zagallo said to Edmundo, "Take a top off." Ronaldo's playing, and then apparently during the game, the Brazilian players every time Ronaldo got the ball, they were panicking in case he had another seizure on the pitch. And apparently, apparently they said that if Edmundo had started that, it'd have been better for Brazil because they were panicking when Ronaldo came out because nobody knew if he was properly fit for the game. But um, what's, I'd say to you, if you get a chance, watch the documentary. It's amazing. It's a good insight into what was happening behind the scenes at the time. Yeah, yeah. See, I've seen that particular one um, because the dance tournament, he was a, he was the poster boy of that World Cup and it didn't yeah. start well for him. He um, stood in the yeah, Saudi Arabia and missed for two games. Um, Beckham was, was dropped, then scored a great free kick, then obviously got himself stupidly sent off and became probably enemy number one. And then Ronaldo mm-hmm. was in fire most of the tournament, but in the final at obviously um, had that unfortunate seizure. Um, what I was pleased for Ronaldo four years later um, in Korea and Japan was how yeah. much he redeemed himself. Eight goals, yeah. top goal scorer, two goals in the final. Um, he was just unplayable, that World Cup. Um, and then the three of them yeah, also played together. Yeah, he had such a horrible few years in between as well because it was, it was injury after injury and so many problems with his knee and then Obviously, he gets himself fit in time for the 2002 World Cup, and he's was it eight goals he got that tournament? Eight goals, he's yeah. He's a top scorer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the, the two in the final as well. I remember, I remember that 2002 final between Brazil and Germany, thinking that the first goal was a horrible goalkeeper there off of a can. And he was and, having a great tournament as yeah, well. He was supposed to play the tournament. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of those ones. I really, I, I remember thinking, I really hope that's not the goal that wins the World Cup because it's awful. And then Ronaldo scored a better one afterwards. So it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, the other thing about that final was that stupid haircut Ronaldo had. <laughs> the oh, cubic yeah. triangle on his head. Yeah. <laughs> what that was about? Um, was it to celebrate the triangle of um, the three R's: Ronaldo, Rivaldo, and Ronaldinho? Um, the other thing it's about because that, that was a tournament Ronaldinho. Yeah, but he loves semen. But Rivaldo had a good tournament too. But <laughs> Rivaldo's had a good tournament, but um, he he won't be remembered for his five goals or how well he played. He'll be remembered for having the ball kicked at his legs and he fell down holding his face, getting the yeah. turkey player sent off. Ridiculous cheating that. Yeah. Play acting in that game was just shocking. But yeah, it was. Yeah, the the the, the 2002. Uh, there's two memories I've got of 2002 World Cup. One's that. Ronaldo, sorry, Ronaldinho, Robin Seaman. 
um, for 30 yards, which is filling your own joker. <laughs> uh, and I remember it's like, it was like, this is of, like I said, like the 98 World Cup was when I'd uh, just finished school, so four years later I'd, I was just finishing university, and the day of my final exam was also the, the Republic of Ireland played Germany. Um, oh, yeah. I, I had to get out of the exam and head to the Queen Margaret Union, I went to Glasgow University, uh, to go watch the game there. Because for some reason I had an exam on a Saturday. It was bizarre. So I remember watching the game there, and like the the big thing was about how you never beat the Irish, and then it was one 0 to Germany going into the final minute, and Robbie King the equaliser, and does his, his trademark uh, cartwheel and stuff. And just I remember the Community Union going absolutely ballistic that day. That was a, a great memory. And like I say, that was my final exam, so I was in a, a really good mood anyway. It was just that top top day. So that's what I was, those two are my my memories of those that that World Cup. The one I remember about that World Cup was um, obviously South Korea. Um, the thing that got all the way to the semis, but the game against Italy. Oh, the game! I actually thought the Italians were all ready to like kick off big time. Um, that, if you watch it, <laughs> some of the decisions that went against Italy that game were awful. Yeah. Um, the goal, the ball was like a good foot to foot over the, the line when he's crossed it in to bring it back over. Um, they get two penalties turned down. Totti had a penalty claim turned down, which was like a stonewall penalty. And I remember just Trapattoni. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You got second booking for diving. And then tra- I remember Trapattoni going absolute tonto against the uh, the bench, hitting the glass window and everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it was just one of those games where you just thought, my God, Italy again, absolutely nothing here. It was just uh, a decision. Okay. There, there, there has been some questionable decisions across World Cups over the years. Yeah. That actually South Korea game is one of those games where you go, ah, there's something right there. There was too many decisions went against Italy that day. Everything went for the hosts, funnily enough. And it's not, it's, it's not as if it's, it's, it's an isolated incident. We obviously know about the, the the change that meant the last games are always played together because that was it. Who was it? Germany. Oh, Germany. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, just like they just played about with the ball for most of the game, and then there was a, there was another game in the '74 World Cup, I think it was, where East Germany just happened to win one 0 against the West Germans <laughs> to get through. There was that one as well in '78 with the Peru and Argentina, where um, they had to get had to win by so many goals, and they won about six 0 Yeah, yeah. that was to get to the final. Uh, I think it was the final because they never had semi-finals then. It was you, you won your group and then you went into another group. I think it was, and then the winner of that. And they played the Brazil game first, so Argentina knew what the scoreline was going to be. And there's all rumours about the Argentinian um, junta going down, speaking to the Peru team and everything beforehand. You know, so when you do, yeah, you think about back to previous World Cups, and I know people will always say, "No, it's okay, it's okay," but. There's going to be some corruption sometime at some point. Yeah. You know? What my dad always used to complain about was the 74 World Cup. Um, again, it was the same setup with the, the second group stage where there was eight teams left and the two group winners played the final. Um, now, we know Germany and Holland was the, the final that year, but my dad always moaned about the Germany-Poland game. And the, it was it was basically it was the last of the games in the group stages. Germany and Poland had won both of their games. I think Germany were ahead of goal difference. Mm. So Poland had to win the game and it was an absolute downpour for hours that day to the point that the park was ridiculously flooded. Um, 
and everybody's saying, oh, the game should be called off and disappointing the Germans' hands because the Poles like to play a fast-moving game and they've got no chance in this mud pitch. Um, and the Germans won one now and they end up, I think, like, it was a long ball that get the, the ball stuck in the mud in front of Gert Muller and they put the ball in the net and Paul just couldn't get them out the, the their game going that day so my dad's always my dad has complained for years about how the Germans cheated that and they cheated us out of what could have been one of the greatest finals because Holland loved to play their football and Poland were a great attacking team as well and if Holland had, Poland had played that final it would have been a classic but uh, I denied that one I think it's there's less of a sort of corruption aspect there because there's always this tight fixture schedule and what they can't really do anything about the weather it's not as if the Germans brought the rain the parts flooded they did their best to clear the water off it but it was still lots of puddles it's not <laughs> they, they just couldn't rearrange that game So it is amazing when you, when you look back about how many host nations went on to win the actual tournament um, the, the, you know that they've held um, whether it be crook by hook you know and they've managed either to win it nowadays obviously you get smaller nations holding it I think the last big nation never really went on to win it. it was probably when it was held in Germany actually when Italy won it yeah. other than that um, you mean West Germany won in West Germany Argentina won in Argentina Italy oh. won in Italy Brazil France, years France. ago yeah the, the Brazil World Cup four years ago would be the other one but it was a big football oh, yeah. and obviously that was the the absolute calamity in the semi-final <laughs> I've never seen a team collapse so quickly in a game um, no. because it was 1-0 um, and then between 24 and 29 minutes Germany all of a sudden went and scored another um, four goals in that five minute yeah. period and it was just like ridiculous, it was like straight from kickoff. Um Brazil were losing the ball, Germany were going through it and then there's another one, there's another one. But Jamie Linefield, I remember, tweeted saying, um, going to um, stop playing FIFA on my TV. Um, <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. So, I, I don't know how many times I've seen that Simpsons meme at the same it just it kept talking up my Twitter feed. It was a stop, stop, they're already dead. That <laughs> <laughs> was it was just it was it was I don't think I've ever seen a game that ridiculous and one sided in that as it was that first half. Aye, that <laughs> first half was ridiculous. It was like every time Germany attacked, yeah. you just thought here's another one come and you couldn't take your eyes off it. You know, sometimes when you watch a game and one team is particularly one-sided and dominant, you get to a point you think, oh, I'll flick over, I'll watch something else. But because it was Brazil getting hammered, yeah. it, was, it, it, it didn't feel real. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm fairly sure I must have watched it with my mouth wide open. Just, it was gobsmacked. Really was that. So yeah, that, that would be a big one. I'm, I'm, I was reading something that, um, earlier today, actually, on the BBC website about how the nations do as hosts versus how they do not as hosts. And I think just about all of the hosts do better at home, for, for obvious reasons, except Brazil and Spain, both of which do far better away from home. No. <laughs> so if they don't host it, they're doing better. That's true. That was the second time that Brazil have hosted the World Cup and lost it. Yeah. Because um, I think it was at Uruguay in 1950. 1950. Yeah. 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 That caused like a national meltdown there. Um, yeah. They changed the strip and everything over there because they used to play in white, had a white strip. <laughs> um, and the one of the things they blamed was the strip. So they they got somebody to design a, a new strip um, for them. And um, I, I don't even think it was a Brazilian. I may be wrong, but um, it, was, it was somebody designed anyway the the yellow top and the, the green shorts. Yeah. Um, sorry, blue shorts, sorry, I should say. And then that won it. Um, and then they played on that afterwards. But 
Um, Brazil is a nation. I, I watched a, there's a good documentary if you again if you ever get a chance, and I think it's ESPN about the goalkeeper in the 1950 World Cup for Brazil, um, and he just got ridiculed and. Yeah, you could blame everything. You could blame for losing that World Cup, and it wasn't even a final because it was a group game, and that's what people forget. It wasn't an actual final. It was a group game against Uruguay, and whoever won it won the World Cup. Um, and and the guy just couldn't go anywhere. Um, Barbosa, his name was, and um, they 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 call any mistake by a goalkeeper a Barbosa, and it's it, it was the same for the lad. It really yeah. was. Um, even to, even to the extent in the '98 World Cup, he went to train with Tafarel, and the Brazilian FA told him to do one because he thought it was bad luck for them. Wow, that's, that's pretty yeah. bad. Poor guy. Jeez, oh, poor boy. So I think it's fair to say that we would have would have been a wee bit young for 1950 to be the first World Cup. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, what's um, what was your first World Cup, Tony? Italia '90. Um, it was the first one. I remember, I remember bits at Mexico '86, but um, I'd, I'd started to watch football really '87, '88. Went, we went to the centenary come a season ticket with Celtic, and my family are Irish, so Ireland had qualified for Euro '88. So I started to get into it more. Um, but then the game that kicked it off for me becoming a Scotland fan was the qualifiers: Scotland versus France, and we won two 0 I think Johnston got the two goals for what I remember. Um, and then from there on in, um, I got really into it with Scotland. Um, and I've always maintained if the World Cup had been a year earlier, we'd have, we'd have done so much better. Um, because if you looked at it, going into Italian 90, we were putting a group with Brazil, Sweden and Costa Rica. And in the qualifiers at the beginning, we were flying. I think we picked up seven points out of eight in the first four games. Um, and then, literally, the last four games, we lost to Yugoslavia away, we lost to France away, and we drew with Norway in the last minute um, to get to there. Um, and then we had the whole Jim Layton thing with the 99 Cup final, and his head was down. And it, and it just seemed to carry on. Going into that World Cup, I remember as well, we played East Germany at the Padre, and we gave B3-1. Is that not Egypt? That Egypt? Egypt, sorry, yeah, Egypt. Yeah, I Egypt. always get to East Germany, and I knew it was one of them. We gave B3-1, and I remember at the time, everybody started to think, oh, this might not be a good World Cup. Um, and it just kind of, there was a wee bit of uncertainty about it. But that was the first World Cup I remember, Italian 90. And then yeah. obviously we lost um, Piazza. <laughs> Costa Rica. Uh, yeah. that, that, I think that was like a half five in the afternoon game. Because I remember coming home from school and the build-up, I was just starting on the telly. So I was in primary six, I think, at the time. And it was, the build-up was on the telly. Um, in Costa Rica, I'd never heard of Costa Rica. I don't think anybody had ever heard of Costa Rica. At that point in time, no, yeah, right. I think everybody thought, who's, who's this small? Yeah, you know, and yeah, and then if I remember rightly, after that, there was a incident with Jim Bett and Mo Johnston, and then there was a Andy Roxburgh had to come out and say to the fans, stick behind us because fans were wanting them sat, and literally from from then it kind of. Hmm. 
when, but it was like true Scottish style. It was just a disaster for the start. Do you remember the Sweden game? Because for some reason I've got absolutely no memory of us beating them. I know uh, we did, but I don't remember ever seeing it. I've got a vague memory of Stuart McCall's goal, um, but I don't really remember Mo Johnson's. I remember Mo uh, Roy Aiken got the penalty mm-hmm. for us. That, um, he got pushed off the ball. He kind of went one and one. That was a soft penalty. Then one one with the goalkeeper, and he was kind of he tried to get around the goalkeeper, and the defenders kind of pushed him, and we've ended up getting the penalty for it. Um, but we went two 0 up, and then they scored not long after. I think there was a guy called Glenn Strombuck or something like that scored for them, um, and then they literally battered us for the last ten minutes. Yeah, we, we held out to get that win, but that other than that, I don't remember much. I don't remember as ever really dominating that game. No. That's our last win in the World Cup as well. I'm the same as you. I mean, my first World Cup was Italian 90, and um, I don't remember the Sweden game. I remember watching the Costa Rica game, and I remember watching the Brazil game in the end. But then, for some reason, I've got no memory whatsoever of the Sweden game, which is unfortunate because that's the one we've won. <laughs> <laughs> the only good one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, my, 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 I think my memories all kind of stem from the fact that I was just starting to take an interest in football kind of like 89, so I remember the whole. Morris Johnson's going to sign for Celtic. Mm. I, rem- I, I distinctly remember us signing the Polish guys because of uh, my family background. So I remember us signing Vidovcic and Jekinovsky. So when we played Poland in a friendly at Hamden just before the Italian 90 World Cup, the week after uh, Brian Irvin became a hero. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've met, I mentioned the Celtic Aberdeen Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was just it was a week after that so we, uh, that was the first game I was ever taken along to and like to this day I can close my eyes and remember walking into the sun-kissed Hamden up the, the Celtic end of the stadium obviously and into the, the vast terrace and then the the press box it looked like it was going to slide off the roof of the main stand and it's just it's just so many it's one of those like, I can just you can close your eyes and picture it it's brilliant and uh, like, I remember so I remember that game and uh Johnson get the goal for Scotland and then and what has to be still the worst ever goal on goal I've ever seen Gary Gillespie chipped Andy Gorham. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I don't remember this game at all. Honestly, I did not remember. I thought it was quite good at remembering. Um, I, I found it on YouTube and the goal was just still laughable. That, uh, <laughs> it's like I don't have to I don't know what Gary Gillespie was doing. And I hated Gary Gillespie for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that like, obviously signed for Celtic later on. I hated him when he signed for Celtic. Uh, that, that's why I didn't like him was that game. So yeah, that, that was my yeah, um, that, memories. Yeah, that, that was my first uh, World Cup as well. And it, like you, Chris, it was the year I was properly getting into football. And I remember being the high because Aberdeen had won the Cup double that year. Um, I wouldn't be saying more about the game. Um, and then I was getting excited about the World Cup and... Um, with the, uh, the Coca-Cola football um, that we yes. all collected and yeah. the Esso coin collection that was probably the two things oh, that stood out most yeah. the Esso coin collection I think I had every single one of the 24 yeah. did you guys have the Orbis World Cup the folder uh, I don't think oh, so I don't, oh, if you never you missed out so what, what happened the, the Orbis World Cup was, was that a big red folder you got and um, the, the first edition and I had like a picture of, uh, I think it was Gary Lineker and Alec McLeish and Maradona at the bomb. And like every week in the build up to the World Cup, they would have um, a magazine come out. And in, in the folder was Binder. So like you had all your stickers stuff. So you had your teams for your stickers. And then I had Greatest World Cup Games, 
greatest players, how teams have qualified, um, all, all this kind of stuff. I mean, how the teams will fare, stadiums, um, and all that kind of stuff. And you put it in the binder each week. So by the time the World Cup came, it was like a big file of facts thing. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, I, I need to try and find it. Um, and, and what do you call it? And Google and send it to us. But it was amazing. It was the best sticker album I've ever, ever had. And it was the thing that I always remember because I, I, I started to read it and getting to know about great games in the past and everything. And it was just the best. Oh, even now, I wish I'd known, like you were saying about your videotape, I wish I know what happened to it. Because when I moved, it just seemed to vanish. Yeah. And I always think, oh, oh, if you ever get the chance, Google it. Because the, oh, the binder itself is amazing. Listen to me, I get so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, for a kid, a, a, a 10-year-old, it was such the best thing ever. Yeah, I see, it was a Coca-Cola football, was my favourite. Yeah, I forgot. I'd actually forgotten about these wrestle coins until you mentioned that. But yeah, I remember I had, I had definitely had them as well. But I, I think everybody I know had that wee Coca Cola ball. Yeah, uh, I bought one off eBay a few, um, like a ten year ago or something, um, for a for a fiver. I was hoping to keep it as a um, memento. When five minutes of, it, of me opening it, um, my dog had got hold of it and started playing with it and wrecked. It. I thought, give me shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so no. Did, um, did they not come in different colours as well? Did, was it not like a gold one or something like that? I don't remember the gold like, one. Aye, I think you're right. I don't. I don't. I don't. But I, I seem to remember it being a gold one. The Panini sticker album that year as well was my first uh, sticker yeah. album, and I remember <laughs> looking at the stadiums and and thinking, uh, wow. <laughs> Um, I think they were the things that stuck out more than the um, the second albums was the stadiums, and then obviously when the games were played, um, you know you had that opening game Argentina Cameroon at the San Siro, um, that was just incredible. The fact Cameroon won, two things stand out for that: um, the fact that Cameroon won, but also one of the most cynical tackles you'll ever see by Benjamin Massing, and it was probably I'll be honest, one of the funniest challenges I've ever seen because Kenija oh. hurdles two ta- two tackles somehow, <laughs> and then Massing just um, goes and kicks him and it's so much so that his boot flew off and as he's trying to put his boot back on the record dishes out a red card. <laughs> it was one of the ones where you watch him in the first round and oh and then the second tackle oh <laughs> you know he's never gonna survive this third tackle. Because <laughs> you could see them just coming. <laughs> as well because Kanija had the long hair at the time. His hair was falling all over the place mm-hmm. and getting hacked left, right and centre. To be fair, I mean, that Argentina team were uh, pretty dirty themselves, but yeah. aye, that, that was a particularly unsavoury incident. Yeah. Of course, the unsavoury incident for the 1990 World Cup was uh, Riker and Valla. Aye. The spitting. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was disgusting. Um, I don't know how Rudy Valla restrained himself. Um, because, but Rijkaard like... was, was quite... Um, what's, what's the word... Um, Cowardly, cowardly about it because he spits him and then runs away. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, I had a great camera shot. Because at the time when he spat the second time, mm-hmm. the camera was right on them, if you remember, because they were walking yeah. off the pitch and you just see Rijkaard spitting right in his hair and then he runs off, he runs off the pitch. And Rudy Villa had a good set, had a really good hair in the days. It was a cracking pair. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, that's what you call a German mullet. <laughs> that's it, because it, was, it wasn't just a perm, it was a mullet perm. Yeah. And remember the spick and a stuck in the, uh, in the hair and everything, it was just yeah. horrible. Yeah. 
I, I, as you say, I don't know how, how he never ended up chasing him and lamping him, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, that World Cup as well, um, the... You know, Scotland still could have qualified even though they lost to Brazil in that final game. Although, if they got a point, yeah. they would have done. But even with defeat, they could have still qualified. But two things happened. First of all, Uruguay got a 92nd minute winner against South Korea. Um, and Republic of Ireland and Holland drew 1 1, where we needed a 1 1 for either of them. And obviously, yeah. they ended up watch. Yeah. Because that, that's, that's the thing that sent the Dutch to play the Germans, was they lost the watch. Because the Republic of Ireland were technically second and Holland were third. That's right. So when Ireland went on to play... Romania. Romania. And, and beat them mm-hmm. in penalties with Paggy Bonner making the save at the end. Yep. And David Leary getting the winner. I remember yeah, that Yeah, because Holland's group, if you remember, I think England, the only England team Egypt. that won that yeah. game. England beat Egypt and it was the only game it was won. Because I, was... I remember watching the Ireland-Egypt game. Because again, as I said, my family were Irish. And it was probably the most boringest game I think I ever watched. I think it was no no. And it was just like long ball, long ball, long ball, long it was an awful game. It really was. Um and I remember after that my grandpa saying to me, I don't think we'll beat the Dutch. Because again, the Dutch were built as the best European team at the point. Yeah. Um and, and again the goal the island got against Holland, if you remember, was a big punt up the park park by Bonner. Um was it Quinn or Cascarino? I think maybe Quinn. They kind of got to it in the end and kind of scooped it over uh, Van Broekland. Yeah, I think the goalkeeper made a mistake for that one. Um, I'll challenge you, Tony, in the, the worst game of that tournament. Um, for me, by far, it was the final. It was oh, a, the, yeah, the, the final's awful. It awesome. was a dreadful final. Um, you know, it was. I don't even remember anything happened the first half. and then Because um, it was clear that Argentina were doing what they did for the the, the knockout stages in that World Cup was um, sit back trying to make a goal or play for penalties um, and Germany were obviously playing the free flow football but then they got a bit lucky with the, the red cards with Bonds on because when you look back it's a booking um, but there was there was worse challenges in that final than that one right? yeah exactly but I was delighted when uh, sorry, West Germany uh, won it um, because Argentina were just horrendous to watch and then I mean their players were just constantly in the referee's faces, you know, sometimes they were nearly headbutting the referee. It was Yeah. Um they were they when were you very look back, Yeah, when you look back to that, I mean that World Cup, Maradona and he wasn't at the best at his powers then, but Maradona took them to the final because against Brazil they were lucky. That was a breakaway if I remember because I think they'd had the post and Brazil had the post had the bar and then Maradona broke away and then rounded the Tekinija to score. And then they played a really good Yugoslavia team and bid them in penalties. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it was Maradona. I think Maradona and the goalkeeper, Goyke Chia, I think what was his name. He kind of saved them because Pompidou, who was their number one goalkeeper, got injured in the USSR game for them. They had to go for their second choice keeper. They turned out to be a penalty king. Um, and so everything just kind of... The luck seemed to be all the way for Argentina. And in the final, I think the luck just ran out. Aye, definitely. Um, Goy Kaché was one of um, two um, unfancy stars of that World Cup. The biggest one, obviously, being Toto Scalacci. Um, yes, Toto Scalacci. That, that, it's the name that rings the truth <laughs> World Cup for me. It's, never heard of him before, never heard of him after. It's just that World Cup. He was, I think he was a top scorer that year. Yeah, six yeah. goals. And I, and I remember running in a playground trying to pretend there was Scalacci. Every time I scored, I go, Scalacci! <laughs> <laughs> 
He went to Juventus after the World Cup and it never worked out for him. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who he was playing for at the time of the World Cup. It I was don't a Serie B team, I think. Uh, I, 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 he, he just seemed to be like a random... Imagine that now. Like, you know, I mean, like, only a big country has decided to pick someone... For, England, for example, pick someone for, like, the championship. And then he was the main striker. You just couldn't imagine it now. Honestly, that, that happening, but... Yeah, what worked out well for Italy. Right, yeah, another one of the big hosts that never managed to do it in their own turf. Yeah. They had That uh, was Argentina that knocked him out in the, the semi. Yeah. Ah, the first goal that they conceded that tournament. Yeah. Well, they, they made, Italy made the big mistake of having the semi final in Naples. From Maradona, um, yeah, was obviously the Napoli player at the time. And obviously the South doesn't get on with the North of Italy and they made a big thing saying um, I, I, I've got you championships and they want you now to support Italy you don't, they, they normally can't be bothered about you come and support Argentina and apparently there was a big thing because it was like a good 50-50 in the stadium whereas yeah. at the time the, the Italians thought it was going to be like just full Italian folk um, and there was all big rumours at the time that afterwards the Italian FA never forgave Napoli or Maradona about what happened. Um, but that, that was their mistake. It really, what they should have tried to have done was have two semi-finals, one in Rome and maybe in Milan. Because they presumed Italy would get to the final, but for some reason they picked Naples. Yeah. Um, I, I, they also can't do anything about it. Um, but I, I think that when Maradona put his penalty, it was almost like a um, a stunned silence in the stadium and then uh, Italy missed the, the penalty after that um, but Argentina got their just desserts in that final um, the other yeah. biting memory of that World Cup it probably started the phenomenon of the the TV theme change was Pavarotti um, mm. the yes yeah. yep I would agree with that I, I think France think it probably had better team tunes at least ones I remember but I the BBC using Ness and Dorma for that was was iconic and so it's it's obviously Pavarotti and Ness and Dorma is the thing that you associate with that World Cup or one of the things you associate with that World Cup I mean there's some, there's some real great things about that World Cup without the football itself I don't think there's yeah. any particular real standout football in that tournament but the things like Pavarotti and uh, like for, for me the, the the West German strip is one of the yeah. iconic football strips. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean the the Scotland strip from Italian ninety was cracking as well. It was the first football strip I ever had. That so, um, I and uh, though it pains me to say it, the best World Cup song ever, World in Motion, New Order. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a cracker. I, I still listen to that song today because it's brilliant. Even the John Barnes rap. John Barnes rap is amazing. <laughs> um, it's just a brilliant song. Mm. Um, Craig, Craig's memory from uh, Italian 90 um, was the, the coloured Sabuto goals, which I've just remembered a wee bit oh, about because yeah. they were um, green, white and red. Yeah. Um, the colour flag. Um, that, was, that was brilliant. I remember the Scotland Sabuto team. Um, in the strip, but I don't remember much else about the Sabuto from that World Cup, to be honest. Um, oh no, I do remember the West Germany one. Um, 
Is that strip's just iconic. Um, that was my first international football top, um, but it was the fake version bought when I was in uh, my first holiday abroad in Mallorca later that year, and it had um, Matthias on the back. So Nice. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, everybody loved Matthias back yeah. then. He was just like, he, he, by far he was the best player in the World Cup. He, he was amazing that that tournament. Um, although, do you remember, the, the two other players that always stick out for me during the Italian 90 was Higita, because I think it was the first time I've ever seen a goalkeeper come out of his box. And he, he mm-hmm. caught out, I think, against um, yep. Cameroon. Cameroon. Yep. Cameroon, Cameroon. Yeah. It was Roger Miller. Yes. Well, Roger, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. The second player was always remember now Roger Miller, because nobody <laughs> knew his age. He was 40. Yeah. Uh, that World Cup. Um, everyone did the Miller. That was... Uh, oh, yeah. No yeah, matter what, yeah. Yeah, no matter what player you, you pretended to be, if you scored a goal, you wanted to do the Miller. Yep. Share me over at the corner flag. That was a good... Well, remember it well. Aye. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just thinking back. To, the, there's a corollary for me for the, the Costa Rica thing. Because, um, obviously, when Scotland lost to Costa Rica and that has just wound us up for years and years. When it got to 2006 in Germany, I get tickets to go to the Poland-Costa Rica game. <laughs> um, so I went across, it was in Hanover, the game. Um, we went. We actually flew into Hamburg because it was easier to get to and stayed there and drove down to Hanover for the, the game. And, um, so we went to the game. And by that point, both Costa Rica and Poland were out because Poland... Uh, because they could have lost both the first the first two games, so that was a dead rubber. Apart from the, like places full of poles because it's just across the border. Um, but I, I, I was probably the only one there that really wanted to see Costa Rica get stuffed. <laughs> purely because of that game and um, Poland won two one I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I swear the Polish guy was called Bosaki. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I will get shot if anybody hears me say that because I'm pretty sure I've mispronounced it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go for the joke. <laughs> the Costa Rica game, if you remember, we played in that away strip. Remember, it was yes. like white with a blue stripe and a yellow stripe. Aye, we sort of thin hoop things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the other, the other thing, just from the 2006 World Cup, on the way back to Hamburg for the after having seen the, the Costa Rica game. It was the night England were playing Sweden in their group, their final group game, uh, and we were able to get the the British forces radio, sort of Radio Five commentary, oh, and it was just starting to fade away between Hanover and Hamburg, so we pulled over and stopped to listen to the rest of the game, um, and then I think it was Joe Cole, maybe, or somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about this. He made it two one late on, and yeah. I always remember Terry Butcher specifically saying, "At last." A victory, a victory over Sweden because it was like the 88th minute or something like that and they hadn't beaten Sweden in like 30 years of course this is Sweden behind Henry Larson in the team isn't it <laughs> he pops up with an equaliser right to the death yeah <laughs> did that the game Michael Owen get injured it was that game well yeah it was the first 5-10 minutes or something he kind of it was a weird he kind of fell on, on his legs and was his ha- hamstring or something went on him and that was him yeah. I don't think he was ever the same again after that no, he wasn't. Uh, I think he'd done himself um, for Newcastle um, like six months prior to it, and it was like touch and go that he'd be fit for the World Cup, and obviously made it, but mm. um, did himself in. Um, but Rooney was touch and go as well, um, and then they, I think they rushed him and then played him up front where he was isolated, and then he got himself yeah. sent off. Um, but but 
the English media wouldn't sl- slam Rooney because um, Cristiano Ronaldo's an easier target, but I must admit, uh-huh. the white was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. He played on what he played on. He, he knew Rooney what Rooney would do. He, he, he was clever, Ronaldo. And I always think Ronaldo is a quite clever player with stuff like the dark arts, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. I think he knows what he's doing um, mm-hmm. at times. Um, and that was probably his best been that way, you know. Yeah. Although maybe I'm being a wee bit biased when I say that because I was up in arms when Kyle Lafferty did the same against Aberdeen, so um, it just shows <laughs> the, just, just shows the bias. But the, uh, the, uh, just, the, just the to catch up with the Sweden England game, Joe Coles was got the, the first goal in that game, yeah. not, not not England's second goal. England's second goal came in the 85th minute from Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> Aye. Um, I can't remember what was going on. I, they had Trinidad and Tobago in that World Cup, but um, because um, they had the player called Jason Scotland, so of course. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was our cash in at that point because uh, Jason Scotland was playing for St. Johnston, um, yeah. and they brought out the song, um, the Jason Scotland song, and it, had, it got to number 40 or 39 in the chart, so they had to play in every single uh, radio station down in England when the charts came out. <laughs> It was a terrible song, but um, it was it was funny for for that reason. It's sad that that's what we kind of got to. I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. That's what we cling on to. You know, you you, you watch games. I mean, I think well, was the last World Cup with the Uruguayan, the Scottish fans in the Uruguayan end. Um, <laughs> and, and that was like, oh look at that, that's amazing. That is what we've got to from qualifying. Um, from when I was a kid, we never get past the group stage. To oh, we never get past the playoff. To we never get to the playoff now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny. I was I was just explaining this to somebody earlier on um, about the Delamitri song. Don't come home too soon. About how does that line about for once? I hope you're not on that stupid plane. Now we can't even get on the plane to go there in the first place. Uh-huh. I think I think Delamitri might have actually jinxed us. They didn't even listen to our song called "Get to Gonna Just Get on the Plane." <laughs> That's another thing that's a dying art in uh, World Cup um, traditions songs. from years ago. Is the songs, yeah? Because yeah? um, the last one I remember England bringing out it was the the Ant and Dex song um, about on the ball, um, and I remember that being so shit. Um, oh, there was another one. I can't even remember who did it. With James Corden did one. It was that terrible verse in the Tears for Fears shout. Yeah. Which which is really good because it's very easy to turn that into shout shout England are out. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a it's a di- it's a dying thing. You know, I don't think England yeah. released a World Cup song. Um, they I remember they had one with the Spice Girls in '98. In fact, um, the <sighs> the relaunch of uh, Three Lines, which was a good song, was um, the one that topped that. that yeah, year. yeah. I mean, I mean that that is the other good football song is the Three Lines by the Lightning Seeds, the Dylan Skinner. Yeah. Um, purely because it caught on. I mean. It was one that was sung in the terraces at Euro 96. So, mm-hmm. there can't be many that have done that. I mean, I still, New Order is the benchmark for me. But that's not one you would hear them singing at the at the football. I would, I would love to imagine a, a 60,000 crowd singing the John Barnes rap right enough. That would be amazing. But <laughs> it's not going to happen. He's a Nigerian <laughs> accent. <laughs> it's much easier to sing football's coming home. Although, the, the bizarrest thing of that is because the Germans won that tournament, they started singing it. Yeah, that's right, didn't they, yeah? That's right, aye, the, um, the celebrations in Munich, or yeah. Berlin, I think it was. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like they won the song. 
Yeah, there's not many football songs that are that iconic, um, that are kept caught on, because, I mean, you, you don't, Scott, uh, you haven't heard Scotland fans singing uh, We Have a Dream in the Terraces. Um. See, that's the thing, I mean, you can kind of remember some of our older songs, like, you remember, like, obviously, we don't remember, well, we remember Don't Come Home Too Soon, because it's the last one, and then you get, like, the uh, Ali Tartan Army. Uh, for like Do you remember the, the Euro 96 one? Uh, Rod Stewart, Popo Erdo? It was garbage. Yeah. Um, really? <laughs> I thought it was yeah. alright. Right. It, it was alright. It was just, nah, not for me. It, it was a, an improvement on our World Cup 90 song. Is that something about a fish? Say it with pride. The lines oh, are Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's instantly forgettable. I think I'm the only person yeah. that remembers it. Yeah. Yeah, we went from a, in a in a twenty year um, period in nineteen seventy eight. It was um, when we shaped them up when we won the World Cup. It was Ali's Army by uh, Andy Cameron, and then twenty years later, it was the the opposite extreme. Um, they don't, don't come, come home too soon. Um, <laughs> th- the best tune of that World Cup ninety eight um, was the Carnival de Paris, um, and obviously the uh, iconic bit being the, when the bagpipes are played. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's still relevant now. Yeah. Uh, you still hear that as goal celebration music? Yeah, that's right. I, th- I think after that World Cup, some teams kicked the backside out of that. It seemed to me like every stadium you went to, that was played about 15 times for atmosphere. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we mentioned the, the, the themes earlier on, um, the, 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 the French 98 one was the one we talked about, and it was... Uh, was it Pavan or something BBC used? Yes, it was um, the tune that we used at the start of this show. Yep, there we go. So, uh, But I prefer the ITV one, mm-hmm. which is uh, Rendezvous by Jean-Michel Jarre. Yeah, that was played at La Reunion <laughs> on Sunday. Um, <laughs> and that was used at the end tonight. I, I prefer the Jean-Michel Jarre version as opposed to the version that was used by ITV because I, I watched a YouTube video earlier that we said. Yeah, I watched that. And it was a dreadful version of it. Only, only surpassed by the dreadful version of ITV's uh, 2006 coverage, which was David Bowie's Heroes, but not by David Bowie. It's some dreadful... I don't even know who did it. It's a horrible version of it. And I'm, a, and I'm somebody that quite openly admits he likes the Oasis version of Heroes. It was on uh, as a B-side of... Do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you remember the Euro 96 opening um, for the BBC? It was um, Ode to Joy... And yeah. they went around all the stadiums, uh, like Anfield, Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah, I liked ITV's version that year. Um, although it was Jerusalem, I thought the way that was put out was really good. Um, and yeah. the and the World Cup ones, uh, the the worst the worst one for me was uh, the BBC um, version for USA '94. I, I thought it was just too cheesy. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, there's is, there is some right cheese in there. Yeah. Um, the World Cup that started um, with a dreadful penalty and ended with a dreadful penalty. <laughs> yes, yes. Diana Ross. You know what I remember about that one? BBC, who was it? Holland, I think it was a Holland-Brazil game. And I can't, was it played in Dallas or something? It must yes. have been Dallas. Because how they done the intro was as if it was Dallas. You oh, know, like at the, the, beginning of the, <laughs> the beginning of the Dallas, you had like, the yep. screen three. Well, that's what they did. So I went, da, 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 had a star <laughs> Romario. And it had like three bits of Romario. And then it was Bergkamp. <laughs> I always rem
Like, it was another one that didn't have that many good games, but the Brazil Holland game was one of the best games of that tournament, and I missed it because I was coming back from a school trip to Holland of all places. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, got, I got to see because Holland played the uh, Ireland in the the round before that, and I, I sat, I sat in a bar in a hotel watching that with a couple of Dutch folk because <laughs> I was supporting Ireland that day. Yeah, like, like it's none of the home nations made it. They, well, the official home uh-huh. nations none of them made yeah. it. Um, so I think most people were supporting Ireland. Um, well, apart from certain fans of a certain club um, uh, but we can say we scored a goal Scotland can say they scored a goal at the World Cup because Ray Houghton yeah. born in Glasgow yeah. um, good catch him up boy yeah. <laughs> um, but that was well, another year where the World Cup was ter- uh, the World Cup final was terrible Brazil and Italy yeah. that was another dreadful final but I really yeah. felt for a better Baggio I wanted Brazil to win but I was gutted that Baggio was the one that missed Fela because that- he was the last player that um, that should have happened to yeah, I mean, like, like you said, the, uh, it was a disappointing final, but I mean, the, the build-up to it was fantastic. The Romario and Bebeto were just a, such a brilliant partnership. Um, I think we all we all remember the Bebeto baby celebration. Oh yeah, when when he scored his goals. Um, but uh, for me, the 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 real entertaining aspect of that World Cup was the likes of uh, uh, Bulgaria. That's mm. what they were, they were they were great to watch. I think they finished. Fourth, yeah, because a boys match, and a young Henry Larson scored in that game. Yeah. Well, they produced but, the biggest shot that tournament, Bulgaria, with that win over Germany. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah, Lechkov. Yeah, yeah, because obviously Lechkov was a big name for that team, but aye, it was uh, Lechkov that got the 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 one against Germany. Remember so. the goalkeeper that used to wear a wig? Mihailov, yeah. Mihailov. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he was bald in '86. <laughs> Yeah, I have a full set of hair on the 94. <laughs> of course, uh, the, the, the biggest story in the 94 World Cup was um, Escobar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, one goal for Colombia, went home and was shot and killed. Yeah. And they were Maradona big... as well. Yes, Maradona <laughs> getting sent home was a drug cheat. Yeah. And we all remember that iconic celebration where he went absolutely yeah. mental into a camera. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they happened to be randomly tested the next game against Nigeria. Mm, yes, randomly. Yeah, I would have picked them too. Yeah. <laughs> was that the World Cup Saudi Arabia scored like a goal that was just they ran about ninety yards yes. up the park? Side yeah, away ran. Belgium. It was an epic strip as well. Yeah. Uh, Their first World Cup, um, and they managed to qualify. Um, and that was also the World Cup where Oleg Selenko scored five goals in a game, but he seemed to still get knocked out. Yeah. Um, I think he's been the only time the top scorer has ever been knocked out in the group stages. I know. Yeah. Um, Do you know what game I remember? It's a, it's a weird game. I think it was Bulgaria versus Mexico. And this fellow, because I was running my grand grandpa's, it was quite a late on. Must have been about 10 o'clock, maybe half 10 at night that started that. And the game got delayed um, for about 20 minutes, half, half an hour, because of the goalposts. They had to bring goalposts and goalposts yeah, in. I remember that. <laughs> Aye, because the Mexican defender um, headed the ball to the ball and ran at the net and the goals collapsed. I That's do remember right, that. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, I think, forever, nobody knew what was going to happen if the game was going to be cancelled. I remember thinking, God, I need to get home. I'm going to school tomorrow. You know what I mean? I was sitting there watching. It was like half ten, eleven o'clock at night. And it took ages for them to sort it out. 
I'm sure it went to extra time. It did, aye, Bulgaria winning penalties that year. Um, just to yeah. talk about them, the, them having to fix the goals. The start of the second half of the Brazil-Scotland game was delayed by about five minutes because they couldn't put the pegs um, in the no in the nets to keep oh. the net down. <laughs> He's opening the ceremonies or just a nightmare. Have you heard about the opening ceremony oh. for the Russia the World Cup last time as well? No. That Robbie Williams is going to be singing at it. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, well, somebody's not singing a song about the Russians. <laughs> Did Russia not have any like, personalities or stars or singers that can help them out? Because Gary Lineker presented their World Cup draw and now Robbie Williams is coming over. Or is that them just trying to yes. build up relationships with Britain because um, they were on savoury at Euro 2016? Yeah, it's just the same thing. We get this with the, the official World Cup song as well because the African one had Shakira, who's Colombian. <laughs> and then it was Pitbull for Brazil. <laughs> I don't even know who's doing the one for Russia this year. France yeah. 98 was Ricky Martin. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just bizarre. It's just like they're picking out a hat. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought the France one was uh, the Dario G, but. No, oh, the, the, the official one was. Um, oh, God, I'm sad I remember this. It was Ricky Martin, the Cup of Life. Yes, Cup of Avidas. Aye. Aye. Uh, right. Here we go. Olé, olé, olé. Go, go, go. That's what that was the opening ceremony. She's mad, I remember. She's here to give it waka waka like she's Fozzie Bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I think they just put like people's names in a hat. They go, let's see who we get. We'll go with him. We'll go with her. Uh-huh. <laughs> the World Cup draw off singing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though, to be fair for South Africa, I think you'd rather have um, Shakira than. Um, because if you have to South African, they'd probably play that Vuvuzela, which probably summed up that entire World Cup, because that was dr- dross. Yeah, just... The, 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 again, it was another World Cup that was... Like, the final itself was dreadful, but on this occasion, I am going to blame the English referee, Graham Paul. Do you not mean uh, Howard Webb? Graham Paul was the one that yellow carded oh, the same okay. pair three times. Yeah, that was that. He, like, yeah, yeah, just keep the referees out of this. The English referees, because they're terrible. See, aye, you're right. Well, there's none going this time. Good. So they've obviously learned the lesson then. Yeah, Howard Webb, sorry. Howard Webb ruined that final. Because he really should have sent the Young off for that Kung Fu kick. Yeah. And he booked him. And then, like, it, if he'd done that, that game could have been a lot better, a lot more open. There'd probably have been less yellow cards in the end up. But he just, he let too much go. And it was, was that another tournament like Van Bommel got away with like a red card every game? Yeah. All the way through. We've got uh, Van Bommel. His first booking of that World Cup was in the semi-final for Descent. That's the ironic <laughs> thing. <laughs> you know what, see, the way Holland played that final was a disgrace. Yeah. Given how good what Holland have been as a, a football nation in some of the previous World Cups for them to go into that final just they tried to kick Spain off the park mm-hmm. and Spain I, 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 there was times in that game Spain were rising to it themselves and they were doing it back mm-hmm. but I, I, was, I was so happy when Iniesta scored an extra time yeah. Do you remember the Celtic player they played in the final for Holland? Oh yes Yes. Did he, did he not come off the bench? Braffite yeah. came off of Van Brooklyn yeah, I think everybody was in disbelief with that. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the moments. Really? Yeah, it, was, it was bad enough that he was in the squad because he was mince. I know. Yeah. He was on loan from Bayern Munich. <laughs> I've seen him more in that game than I did in any Celtic game. 
I don't remember him ever really playing. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've just blanked it from my memory, but I remember him in the final, but I don't remember him ever playing with Celtic. I've liked a lot of that season from my memory, to be honest. But I, yeah. uh, for the best. I, it's a brilliant play in the World Cup final. I know, that, yeah. that was um, bewildering, that one. Um, but uh, There's seven um, Scottish-based players from last season that are playing in the, this year's World Cup. Um, let's see if you can name them. Tom Rogic. Yep. Gamboa. 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 Christian Gamboa, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Lustig, yep, he's the other one. That's the four Celtic players. Uh, are we counting Carrie Anderson? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, who's the other two? I think who's in. I don't know what I'll call. Uh, I can't remember. I'm sure I read this, but I, it's definitely... Uh, although technically he was on loan, um, McLaren of uh, Hibs is there. And uh, the other yeah. one um, is Bruno Alves even though he hardly featured for Rangers towards the end of last season. Did he get in the Portugal team, right? He got in, um, but Bilal Mosny got left out of the Tunisia squad. That's a shame, uh, So that's in <laughs> Tunisia's chance of beating England. Yeah. I've seen two ex-SPL players, SPFL players in the Australia team. Jackson Oven, I think, get picked. And um, your man they used to play with Hearts, is it McGovern? Ryan McGovern. McGovern. The Gowan, that's it, yes. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, they both made the Australia squad as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Australia's the team that um, I'll be rooting for this campaign. Um, I've got family in Australia. My uncle lives out there. He's been living there since 86. And I've got my cousins out there, obviously. Um, I spent some time there in 2012. Loved the place. And yes, yeah, so I'll be cheering on the Aussies. So, Tony, we'll go to you next. Who, who, who are you supporting? Are you supporting the team? That you live in, or you're going somewhere else? God, I couldn't think of anything what's happening down here. I think if I want to win the World Cup down here, I would need to take like a week off. Um, <laughs> Went to move. Emigrate <laughs> 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 to Gretna. Keep going, Tom. I think I'm going to work up. I might move. No, for me, I don't know why, but I've got a soft spot in Uruguay this year. Um, I don't know why. I think. They've got a great strike force, Suarez and Cavani. Um, they've got Godin at the back. Um, they seem to be all right. I mean, I, 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 I think they could have a really good tournament. Um, and I just kind of think, yeah, I want to watch them. I've heard good stuff about them. You know, they've brought in a lot of youngsters um, to try and help um, their team as well. So I want to see how they get on. And I'm led to believe that the guy that's been in charge of Uruguay has been there for like 12 years or something like that. So, I mean, they're not prone to like swapping managers like most South American countries. So, I just, yeah, I'd like to see them do well. Plus, it's only three and a half million people live there. So, it's nice to see a small country doing well. Yeah. And speaking, I of... speaking of Suarez, he has probably my favourite moment of cheating in any World Cup ever. Oh, the handball? The handball. I would have done that. Uh, that is a that is, that. yeah it's goal bound so you may as well yeah. stop it and get yourself sent off and hope your keeper saves the penalty yeah. the best way that I remember when they missed the penalty and you yeah. see them celebrating up the tunnel aye <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that is the, the epitome of taking one for the team I 
can understand, obviously, the handball because a lot of us would have done it. The the cheering when he missed the penalty, that's relief as much then. But see the um, on the shoulders right. at the end of the game, lapping up like he's um, a god. I'm sorry, that's just um, yeah. that's just uh, uh, too far. It's, to a, be perfect, it's a bit tasteless, aye. But I mean, yeah. it's, it's fair enough. I mean, the the, the big problem with him obviously came four years later at the the next World Cup when he was biting Kiyolini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got banned for five months or something after that, which is yeah. slightly harsh. What's... Although I've got to say that he he done the best World Cup advert I've ever seen. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He's in the office and he's um, diving around in the office, falling about over stuff, complaining. If you ever get the chance and um, Google it, it's one of the best World Cup adverts I've ever seen for Uruguay TV. He's just like protesting. He trips over in the office and his office stuff, and he's like, "You've done that deliberately." And then he's guy puts down like a whole load of paper and he falls. To the side, rolling around, watch it. It is good, um, but uh, do you know he, he should have a good World Cup? I th- I think since he's been at Barcelona, he's kept his head down yeah. a lot more. So hopefully, he'll not do anything silly in this World Cup. Yeah, he yeah. I mean, someone this time that might be the next step. <laughs> <laughs> but, you're right. I mean, <laughs> since he went to Barcelona, he's certainly knuckled down. He's not been the one with the controversy because when it was Neymar, it was he was playing alongside it was Neymar. It was always a problem. Okay. Suarez was just kind of got on with things, so I, maybe I just kind of knuckled down. Then. Yeah, I think he said, to, he said to keep his nose and his teeth clean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Chris, obviously. You've hinted at a couple of times, but who's the team you're following? It's got to be Poland for me. The the, the family connections and it's just such an obvious choice for me. Uh, they, they, they've also got a fairly decent chance, I think, because they're in the most forgettable group in the World Cup. <laughs> I keep having to look up who's in Poland's group. For anybody that doesn't know, it's Poland, Colombia, Senegal, and Japan. I only know that because I've, we've got Senegal as our team in the work. That's the only reason why I remember. It's it's instantly forgettable. The the thing that might be of note is the second that like that's Group H, so they always pair the groups for a second round. So A and B's paired and C and D's paired. That means Poland's group is paired with Group G, which is Belgium, England. So when when I've I've sat and done my my paper exercise and I've got Poland winning the group. Obviously, I've also got Belgium winning theirs with England finishing second. So if that happens, Poland play England in the second round. I, I, th- I think I think that group will be quite tough actually. I I, I had the group as Colombia winning it, yeah. Poland coming second, but only just because I think Senegal is going to be one of these teams that you get enjoy watch. They're not going to do the job to get through. But in saying that, you never know. Yeah, I mean, stranger things have happened in World Cup. Maybe we've had World Cups where South South Korea have been a semi finalist, Turkey finished third. Um, Ghana were not far away from a quarter uh, semi-final, um, so you never can tell. Um, but who's your who's your bets to win it, lads? Cards on the table. All right, so I went all the way through, took my group winners and group winners up, and put Paul some Bond. things. Get it? No, I don't. I've got Poland knocking England out in the second round, but they let them lose to Germany in the quarter-final, um, which I'm sure everybody will hate. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Aye, it's, 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 some, it's some interesting games. Um, Argentina Peru, I've got in the second round as well. And, uh, gets to the, the, the semi finals. I've got Germany beating Argentina in the semi finals and Brazil beating France. So we get Germany versus Brazil in the final, and I think Brazil might just get their revenge for four years ago. So I'm tapping Brazil. Mm, I, I, I was fully behind Germany 
Um, but I've heard that um, in the last week or so, there's been a bit of unrest in the camp about, is it Ozzo and someone else? Um, Ozzo and Gundogan, I think it is, that they went to Turkey or something, and they gave uh, a shot to the Turkish president saying something about, all right. um, we're always, um, this is our land or something like that, and it's caused a bit of friction in Germany. Um, with the gas and unsettled the camp apparently um, and I, up until then I thought yeah, Germany, no problem but I'll, I'll still stick with them but I think this might unsettle them a wee bit um, with everything that's going on with the fans and everything I've, I've got a feeling it's going to be France this time um, I think France have got a lot of attacking players uh, good attacking players um, you know, Mbappe's a a terrific player, Lamar. Um, I think it's about the same for Atletico Madrid. Um, Griezmann is obviously a goal-scoring phenomenon. Um, and they should have won Euro 2016. Um, they didn't take their yeah. chances in the final, but they should have won that competition, especially after being um, Germany. Um, but I think they might do it this time. I think the French have got the same problem now as they did two years ago. I think they're still quite young. I think they'll have obviously have a bit more experience than they did two years ago, but they are still a very young team. And I think I think they'll do well. I mean, I've got them going to the semi-final, but I think uh, I, don't, I don't see them going all the way. And the Pogba problem still persists with them. They're not 100% sure, same as Man United, where to have him, where to play him. He, he gets a lot of backing from the manager, but then he gets a lot of criticism from the French media and French former players um, about how and how he plays. And again, I don't think that's really been addressed since the Euros. Um and it's that kind of figuring out how they get play when they get use them as an attacking mid, or they get have them as just like maybe a defensive mid will then break out and attack. We'll need to try and figure out how they get use them. Yeah, it should be should be interesting. I mean, I, I can't. I must say, this World Cup um, compared to previous, I've not been as excited, um, you know, as pre- as previous ones. I think because of. The way football's been going, I mean, there's too much emphasis on money and club football and, um, you know, self-interest um, than there is in international football these days, I think. But also, I think because um, 2010 was such a dreadful World Cup, all right, 2014 was a little bit better, um, but 2010 was so bad that it just almost put you off football. Um, so, but <laughs> but, uh, but I th- I'm getting a wee bit more excited as the games come on, but also I think there's not that many... Um, you know, standout games. I mean, Port- Portugal, Spain's probably the one. Yeah. Um, for Friday. But it's always like that. I, I think the, the the group games always. There's there's that many teams in the World Cup that the group yeah. games it's hard to pick out a real standout. I think yeah. you're right. Spain, Portugal is probably the the standout game in there. Yeah. Uh, Belgium, England, I think are a good game as well. Mm-hmm. You, you normally also get a group well. of death. You normally get a great group of death, but I don't see one really. Well, that's because of the seeding, the way they're doing now. Uh, because obviously you've got your first seeds and the second seeds. And that's more or less stopped the group of deaths that you used to always have in World Cups. Um, I remember 86 scores were in a group of death with Denmark, West Germany and Uruguay. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you don't get that anymore because what they do is keep all the big teams separated because they want them to get to the, the quarters and the semis. That's where the money is for the marketing, let's be honest about it. Mm-hmm. So the way you keep them to try and get them through. So as opposed to in the, even Italia 90, I think, they just put all the teams in a pot and they just get picked out randomly. 
No, you don't get that at all. My favourite group of death is still Euro 92, where we get the world champions, the oh, yeah. the European champions and the European runners-up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we still fit. Yeah. And, and here's something to look out for. If a European team wins this uh, World Cup, odds are Scotland will get them, because it happened in 2006 with Italy, happened yep. in 2010 with Spain, and 2014 with Germany. So, and that draw isn't until uh, December, January. I think it's, I think it's December. I can't remember. Uh, it's, yeah. it's usually done. When it, the, the, the worst one for that was when we, just after the the 2006 World Cup, where we get France, we were runners up. We got oh, runners. Oh, Ukraine had made the the quarterfinals, <laughs> and then we still should have qualified for that group. I know. I, I, I actually think it's better when we get the the harder teams because we seem to do better. Aye. Because yeah, again, that came down to with Blue against Georgia. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Everybody talks about the Italy game, but it was the Georgia away game yeah. that, that ruined us. If we'd won that, we would have been home and dry. Yeah, true. Because we beat France home and away, that was a big aspect yeah. for that one. Yeah. One day, lads, we'll not be the warmer pack like we were this year for Peru and Mexico, and um, someone will be the warmer pack for us again. Uh, just got to keep dreaming. Um, but I, I think. Anything else you want to talk about? Do we want to go in the next World Cup? It's in Qatar. <laughs> oh, true. In December, when it's know, slightly, slightly cooler by five degrees. Yeah, great. I'm still hoping to take it off Qatar and just take it somewhere else. Yes, but I don't see it. It seems like, recently, it's like every World Cup, let's try and make a wee bit more controversial than the last one. So Brazil yeah. was controversial because, if you remember, everybody was saying that there was no money when all the money was being put in the stadiums. Stadiums weren't getting fixed. Then it was Russia for this one. Next one's Qatar. God only knows where they'll put the next one, Iraq or something like that. No, the, the 2026 World Cup's getting awarded tomorrow, actually. Um, Morocco's the, in for that. Mor- yeah, Morocco's, 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 Morocco's in for themselves and North America. So you've got Mexico, Canada and the US all wanting to host it. And it, like, I think everybody knows it's going to North America. Yeah, that's what I think. The, Mor- the Moroccan bid actually looks pretty solid, but there's a few questions around it, whereas the North American bid, it's going to be a 48-team World Cup as well. So that when spreading it across the three countries, it should be fine. Um, and there's plenty of stadiums. I mean, there's too many stadiums. The Americans have got what, a short list of about 17 of them. And so they'll definitely use the Canadian ones, they'll definitely use the Mexican ones, and then the Americans will cut their list down somewhere along the way. Yeah, so, Canada, Canada will have like Vancouver, Toronto. Um, who else is it? Up, up there? Who is better that way? They're definitely there too. Edmonton, I another one. Oh, yeah. There is a caveat though that the what there's like two hundred odd FIFA nations. Um, the Moroccans are moaning that the what, American Samoa or all the American little countries get to vote, but the Americans can't vote because they're in the bid. Um, but the of the like, so there's something about the bid that they can pick one or the other or none, and if more than fifty percent pick none, then they open up the bid the bidding again. And apparently they excluded the Europeans from this one because obviously. The, the Russians have got this World Cup um, so that would let the, the Europeans come in and put in their own bids so that might that might be the thing that throws it out I don't really see them getting the 50% neither so mm. I think we'll probably one or the other I think it probably the North America what happens with that? will be Canada will Canada qualify USA qualify and I presume yeah. it's in Mexico just doing it as well the, the three of them will qualify automatically so they'll be playing for 45 places Across the world, um, so there'll be, I mean, 
the way it, the way it plays out now is about thirteen Europeans and there's like five from South Africa and five from South America and three or four from Asia and I think mm-hmm. Oceania depending as a playoff. South America for five, isn't it? They do, and then they have a playoff. Was it for six or something like? Yeah, aye, I think there's a that, that playoff. I think they, they do that playoff across the confederations. Yeah, so, okay. And South America plays like the winner of Oceania. Well, lads, I think we're well into injury time here. If we keep on talking, um, um, the World Cup will be starting. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's been good. Um, well, thanks, Chris. And thanks, Tony. Thanks. And hopefully we'll get a decent World Cup. Yep, let's hope so. Um, And I don't know when the the next podcast will be, probably at the start of the next season after the World Cup final. So enjoy the tournament, everyone. Yeah, have a good summer. Right. Cheers. Cheers.